Welcome back. I'm Karen, Founder and Managing Director of Orchid Leadership Coaching and Consultancy Limited. Encouraging you to embrace the leader within. Whether you are a CEO leading a company, an executive leading a team of innovators, an emerging entrepreneur, or a working or stay-at-home parent leading the family and home, now's the time to embrace the future, empower the new you. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of Enlightened Leadership Coaching Snippets, a new season of podcasts linking to empowerment, mindfulness and well-being within leadership. In this episode, we'll be deep diving into redefining the CEO, Chief Empathy Officer. If you missed our earlier episodes, don't worry. They're available to download on numerous major podcast platforms. Do ensure to subscribe or follow so not to miss out on future upcoming episodes. Getting back to today's episode, focusing on redefining the CEO, Chief Empathy Officer. When you think of empathy in terms of leadership, what comes to mind? In the recent past, many would answer that it's a soft skill at best, something nice to have, but not an essential driver in their leadership toolbox. In fact, many would perhaps have noted leadership as soft or weak at the mere mention of empathy or compassion. However, things thankfully have moved on in many spheres. In reality, empathy is quite contrary to this and is actually a significant and critical leadership skill to possess and most importantly, to demonstrate. In recent years, the most valued skill an employer or leader can demonstrate to retain their workforce is empathy. It not only enhances overall well-being, but also that of inclusion engagement and innovation. We are now in a time when everyone is more knowledgeable and are clued in as to what expectations that they have of a company and of an employer or leader. If a company cannot make that emotional and human connection with their employees, then they are perhaps destined for a quick staff turnover and potentially reduced ROI and revenue. So, let's ask ourselves, do we embody empathy in our leadership? If not, what's blocking that shift? Do others interpret us as empathetic to their needs? Do we advocate and nurture an empathetic culture within our businesses and homes? Listen further as we delve deeper into empathy and its value within the workplace and home and within our leadership repertoire. So, let's dive a little deeper. In its simplest form, empathy is the ability to recognise and understand emotions in others and to understand other people's perspectives and feelings towards a situation. 
Empathy enables us to use that insight to improve how someone feels, to create actionable support for that person through compassion, and to help us to engage with others more purposefully at a human level. Within leadership, many may be more inclined to implement cognitive empathy, the ability to understand what another person might be thinking or feeling without necessarily engaging with that person. Though it can be useful in understanding how others are feeling and therefore what style of leadership to apply with employees or what tone to apply in a conversation or even how to gauge the mood of a client, it is rational, intellectual and often quite neutral and occasionally can be open to some people misusing it for manipulative rather than caring purposes. To go deeper, some may employ emotional empathy or effective empathy to better understand others on a deeper level. In this sense, we not only know how someone feels, but we develop a certain rapport with them. Compassionate empathy or empathy that develops into actionable compassion is the most active form of empathy. It involves not only having concern for another person and sharing their emotional pain, but also taking practical steps to reduce it. So, if empathy is an area we would like to further develop in the workplace and home, how can we best demonstrate empathy in leadership and within our workplace or home environments? A good starting place is to be present, not just physically but mentally. By giving someone your time and full attention means a great deal. As stated by Theodore Roosevelt, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Along with this there must be open, direct lines of communication developed if not already present, to genuinely listen to concerns and needs. Employing active listening skills, listening to understand, is vital within all our communications, whilst also using observation to look at the tonality of body language that somebody is displaying. We also need to consider other people's perspectives as leaders, Remove assumption and judgment. Be open-minded. Be curious. And most of all, be humble, when perhaps faced with alternative viewpoints which may lead to necessary change or improvement. Another area to consider is to be inclusive. Ensuring everyone is included in all aspects of the business and home particularly in remote or hybrid working environments. Staying connected, being transparent and inquiring as to people's health and needs in a genuine and authentic manner is key to unity, agility and company loyalty. In addition, allow for flexibility where possible and practical. 
whether it be flexibility in location or work hours, providing there is adequate access to technology and a connective service. Ensuring you remain connected as a workplace community is essential and can help business relationships to thrive and become more trusted. Model and nurture a culture of civility and courtesy with those around you. Often, being rude, short or succinct with someone is too easy and is an opt-out to actually getting to know that person. Taking the time to know someone, their quirks, the things that they care about, makes a vast difference. Actually caring and acting with genuine curiosity encourages authentic engagement and alignment. It is this same authentic nature of interaction that inspires resilience in others and helps combat anxiety and uncertainty. Challenging times can, of course, test people and places under pressure. Yet that same challenge can also bring people together, unite us and inspire growth. This encourages us as leaders to incorporate the human factor into our leadership, to be holistic and genuine in our interactions. Recognising that we are dealing with human beings is intrinsic to developing empathy. Noticing the uniqueness of others in what they offer and contribute, placing safety and well-being communications above business updates, as well as integrating a natural curiosity into our mannerisms, goes a long way to helping those around us feel engaged, included, motivated and valued. We must also be willing to be vulnerable and to express vulnerability to others. Emotional accessibility is a great show of strength and authenticity. Something that may seem obvious, yet is far too often forgotten, is showing gratitude and appreciation, both at a personal conversational level as well as at a public level. We've mentioned in the title of this episode that we are redefining the CEO. Does that then mean that the CEO in isolation creates and sustains empathy for the whole company? I, along with many others, would argue that it's a complete culture shift that is encouraged and required throughout an entire organisation. As a starting point, it's not just the CEO but the entire C-suite level executives who are required to reflect and rethink on a whole organisational level as to how to bring a holistic, humane and empathetic way of operating into the workplace and into every conversation. Moving forward, we could consider cross-generational empathy training as empathy is not just innate but can be learned and built upon. Empowering change agents throughout an organisation can encourage cross-functional divisions at all levels to carry the same message of empathy throughout the organisation. Supporting overall employee well-being, including mental health, needs to be a priority when considering shifting organisational culture towards empathy. 
reflection and honest conversations can start to dismantle the stigma around mental health issues and deepen empathy from the top of an organisation. To create a more sustainable and empathetic organisation, it's time to break away from working and conversing in silos, to become cross-functional in our conversations and strategies, and to resolve the disconnects between leaders and employees regarding workplace empathy. As leaders, we need to understand that progress will come from what people experience, not just from what they hear. And this needs to be experienced at a whole organisational level, not coming from within isolated departments or from a singular empathy champion. Therefore, it's not just a redefinition of the CEO that's required, but a redefinition of organisational culture towards developing authentic organisational empathy. This, of course, is no easy task and requires backward-by-design planning, including a great deal of design thinking, to reach that destination. By starting with the destination or desired end goal in mind, and planning each step backwards, identifying firstly the long-term sustainable changes that are desired for the goal to be realised, then planning the step just prior to that which indicates the medium-term changes in behaviour, policies and practice that are needed to make that happen. Then, planning a further step back, which indicates the knowledge, skills and attitudes that need to be developed to achieve the medium-term outcomes. Only then can you review what inputs are required, such as funding, training, staffing, and quantifiable resources to reach the desired goal. It all starts with identifying the big why. Why empathy matters. And why there's a need or desire for a cultural shift towards empathy across the organisation. So, we've established that empathy goes far beyond merely redefining the term CEO. We've talked in terms of organisational shifts in empathy across companies. But where is a CEO's family in this shift? As leaders, are we walking the walk of empathy, being core to our own ethics within our personal relationships as partners, as spouses, as parents and extended family members. In what ways can we further cultivate empathy in our home environment, particularly with our children? A simple starting point could be to empathise with our children and model what that looks and feels like. After all, we were all at that stage at some point, so we can apply some understanding. This then shows an example of how to show genuine empathy towards another person. Our children learn empathy both from watching us and from experiencing our empathy towards them. This creates a foundation for rapport, trust 
and to take on those same values and behaviours. It's about being genuine and curious and taking an interest in their lives and what interests them. About respecting the unique attributes of their personality as well as attending to their emotional and physical needs. This could involve simply asking inquisitive, open-ended coaching questions and, of course, avoiding the temptation to interrogate. Another aspect to consider is making caring a high priority in the household, setting high expectations, especially of yourself. Again, it's about modelling this behaviour for children to experience what it looks and feels like. Even though, generally, most parents will say that raising caring children is a top priority, often children aren't hearing that message consistently from within the home. Therefore, there's very little to model their own behaviour on. An additional aspect is providing a safe space for children to practice empathy. Children possess the innate capacity for empathy but it does need nurturing throughout their lives through guidance and practice. And this cannot be left to their educators, to schools or their teachers alone. They can, of course, reinforce it, but as parents, we are our children's first educators. It's our initial responsibility to create that space for learning. Enabling children to consider other people's perspectives and situations helps make empathy a natural skill that will increase over time. Safe spaces can be created through family meetings where children are given a voice and the opportunity to share their opinion or perspective, even at a young age. It's important as a parent not to instantly dismiss their offerings but to listen for understanding, whilst also asking them to follow that same example when listening to others in the family share their opinion and views. Encouraging empathy and caring in considering the perspectives of others and siblings is another aspect of creating a safe space to practice empathy. Within this same space there is also room for reflecting as to why we might employ empathy to those situations. Even at a young age it is feasible to discuss age-appropriate ethical dilemmas with our children which can enable them to appreciate various perspectives and situations. A further step to take is to gently expand our children's scope of care we often talk in terms of how much empathy a person has. Most times it isn't difficult to show empathy to those we know who we are close to, such as family members or close friends. But how about people who are outside our family or friendship circle? Those who are different to us, from a different culture, ethnicity or religious background. It's important that we guide children in understanding and caring for many kinds of people who are different from them, who may be facing challenges very different from their own challenges. An additional action may be to support children in managing themselves, in developing self-control, 
and managing their emotions and feelings. Supporting children in developing social and emotional intelligence helps them to manage feelings that stir stereotypical and prejudiced perceptions about others that often blocks their empathy. In summarising, I wish you every success in your own personal journey towards increasing empathy in your leadership. What a new norm it will be if we all employ that little bit more empathy to each other in our interactions. A challenge I lay before you. Take measure of the culture within your home and work environments. Ask yourself, how sustainable and empathetic is your home and work culture? Is there a need for a cultural shift? If so, what would that journey look like? How empathetic are you in your leadership and interactions with others? Do or say one thing this week to strengthen your empathetic culture at home or at work. And lastly, if you could visualise your leadership and home or work-based culture in five years' time, what would you want to see? How would it differ from what you see and feel today. Feel free to share some of your follow-up actions with me on any of my social media platforms or alternatively share a comment with me right here after listening. I look forward to our next podcast session which will begin a new season, season three of Enlightened Leadership Coaching Snippets where we will be deep diving into domains of leadership. So make sure you tune in next season and engage with me after the sessions about your thoughts and personal takeaways. Until then, please remember, if this podcast episode added value to your day or evening, download it, share it with your colleagues and friends, and of course, ensure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes. And remember, embrace the future, empower the new you, Awaken the leader within and let's take back control of our aspirations. Thanks for listening.